the diamond I realized the diamond The Empathy Museum presents A Mile in My Shoes. These shoes are black men's shoes, size nine, uh, lace-ups, and the two top holes haven't got the laces in. And then inside it says Stafford, and it's got like a Queen's hallmark, very nice sort of leather insides. Very clean, but there's a bit of scuffing on the front, and the sole is good, a rubber sole, with a sort of another sole stuck on almost. And, oh, there's a little bit of bird poo on the bottom of that one. These shoes belong to Yazan. This is his story. When the bombing started, it was just beyond imagination. The sound, the, the bombing, the, the fear, uh, it was really, really bad. I remember the next day when you, when you have like an hour of silence, it's like a huge blessing. But then it comes again. The, 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 the plane comes again and it's time for bombardment it's time for fear it's just nobody can tolerate that you just can't get used to it it's just beyond imagination it's beyond explanation it's something nobody knows but those who experienced it I still have fear of, of the sound of, of, of planes of just a plane like this civilian plane but still even after two years from now I still have fear. My name is Yazan. I'm from Syria. I came here to the UK one year and a half in September 2015. And I'm a refugee here. Before the revolution, I was personally, I was pro-Assad. Uh, I thought he's a nice guy, he's a young guy, he's civilized. Um, however, after the, the revolution started, I just, I just realized that he's just a criminal like other Arab dictators. So I stood by the revolution, advocated it verbally or like on social media, on Facebook. Uh, later on, I got involved in, in uh, helping people, like providing basic needs. Uh, People, people were afraid of helping them because they were fleeing Assad. And if you help them, this is like considered an act against the government, against Assad. So I, I found myself like compelled to help them because nobody was, everybody was afraid. As a dentist, I was responsible like for the medical part. So I started to create a, a group of volunteering doctors. Helping people in Syria is a criminal against the regime. Some people get killed for this. Uh, and I'm a doctor, which means like my punishment is doubled or tripled. In August 2012, the war started in Aleppo. And we lost access to the people that we were helping. Um, just their areas weren't accessible to us. And that was when I decided to go out of Syria uh, and I started working with uh, NGOs. I was based in Turkey but I was going to field in like into Syria in field visits like every week. We were providing food basket for food baskets for around um, over 100,000 people in the northwest of Syria. 
Uh, one of the weird things that uh, I experienced when I was entering Syria is that I was entering opposition-controlled areas um, while my city was under the regime control and my parents were living in, in my city in Idlib. And I know my parents were there and I haven't seen them for like two years, sometimes three years. And I just... They're just like five minutes by car from me. My city is five minutes by car from me, but I can't go into there. It's a terrible, terrible feeling. This feeling that they're very close, but you can't see them. They are over there, but at the same time they are not. So I remember the moments when I was walking inside, walking by car, um, uh, inside my city and thinking, will I see them? Will I see my parents or not? Uh, yeah, um, uh, I went to see them after, uh, at that time it was like three and a half years that I haven't seen them. Uh, one of the things that I noticed was that they have dried some bread and it was rotten and it was kind of a shock for me like I come from uh, a fairly wealthy family maybe upper middle class and to see my parents have hidden some rotten bread it's, it's a shock like money can't do anything at the time of war at the time of these terrible events. Um, anyway, I was praying, um, and then I heard something. Uh, I jumped immediately, and I I went towards towards like uh, my parents or towards the mid of the house, and it was the first bomb. The beds where where we were supposed to sleep were covered with broken glass. I remember it was dark and very late at night. It was so, so scary. Uh, I don't know. Probably because I was in my own house, which was supposed to be a safe place. I was with my family. I was afraid about them. And we were like really sticking to each other. If something would, might happen, we wanted to happen to to all of us. We, I personally, I didn't want, for example, my parents to die and I live. If they're gonna die, then let's die together. I preferred this way, and I think they were thinking in the the same way. So we knew that we had to leave. For how long? Where exactly? It wasn't clear. I want to go back to a place that. I don't get arrested for helping people. I don't fear being killed just because I have like milk powder in the in the in my car. This is what I'm hoping for. I came here to the UK to study uh, with a scholarship to study master in public health and I'm hoping to use the skills I gained in this master to rebuild the health system in Syria and to build a better Syria in general for, for all the Syrians. I think the world should stop this massacre. Well, many people will ask how. 
statistics show that 95% of civilians in Syria are being killed by Assad regime and Russia and their allies, Iran. While ISIS kill around 4% of civilians and the, re the remaining 1% are being killed by opposition and Kurdish forces. The Syrian regime must stop killing. Someone must act. The world should act. I believe in karma. I believe that when you see people who are in need of help and you don't help them, then you are hurting them. People at the beginning of the revolution were in need of help. People need, needed to take, people inside Syria needed to take action and to say no to the Syrian regime. People kept silent. And today, everybody in Syria is, is damaged by this war. I fear for the world, to be honest. I fear that if, if the world did not do anything, we're going straight into World War III. Despite that, people might say that if they took action, this might lead to World War III. Well, I don't know. I believe in if that when you see people in need, you help them no matter what. There is no cost for human lives. We need to stop and think. We need to compare events in, in the past and with the present. For example, personally, in, in my culture, before the revolution, I didn't uh, believe in the Holocaust. I thought it's just like a myth or whatever, because this is the way that we, we were educated in Syria. But then after the revolution, a lot of like ideologies and ideas got broken and I started to think in a different way. I can't imagine that I am a person who denied the Holocaust, something that killed millions of, of people just because they were from certain religion, from because they were Jews. But the more the the thing that is also weird that I feel that I am experiencing a new Holocaust. It's happening to us, to Syrians, and nobody is doing anything about it. And now people talk a lot about Holocaust and, and that they should have taken action and they should do X, Y, Z. But at the same time, it's happening again. Why are you not doing anything to stop this? So far, one million people have been killed. They are being killed slowly, like six years, a lot of destruction. Like in Syria, it's the population of Syria is, is 20 million people. Around my personal estimations is around 15 million are between refugees and displaced like inside and outside the country. So it's like 75% of the population have, have been displaced, like 1 million killed, which means uh, around 5%. This is huge. If we apply this to, to, to the UK, what would be the numbers? To be able to understand people's pain, people's suffering, or people's view or actions, you need to put yourself in their shoes. And most importantly, take action.
do something. It could be something as small as a smile. Smile could be an act of defiance. It could be an act of help. Believe me, resist even with a smile. Yazan's story was produced by Melissa Viney. His shoes are part of a growing collection of footwear hosted by the Empathy Museum's A Mile in My Shoes exhibition. The shoes and stories come from all over the world. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram to find out where we are going next. <laughs>